We're looking today at Paul's letter to the Romans and a passage in which he talks to us about the power of hope. Let's pray together that God might be at work in this word. Holy God, you are the one who gives us the gift of hope. It is the gift that gives life meaning and purpose. And so we ask that your word might fill our hearts and our lives, that in hope we might share hope with a world that desperately needs it. Amen. Hear these words. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the interest of full disclosure, I must tell you that I have not personally experienced much suffering. I grew up in a stable home with two loving parents. I was blessed to have a good education. So I don't know much suffering on a personal level. What I do know about suffering, I know because I've been a pastor and I have seen other people suffer. And I know enough about suffering to know I never want to experience it on a personal level. I have been a pastor long enough to know that some of you sitting here today probably have known suffering. And I have been a pastor long enough to know the crucial role hope plays in our lives because without hope, life really isn't worth living. Now, I, I have, to be sure, experienced loss on more than one occasion and I have known people who did not think women should be in ministry, a few of whom made my life really miserable for a time. But none of that rises to the level of suffering. Struggles I've had, suffering I have not. Yet, in the midst of my struggles, I have come to appreciate Paul's promise when he says, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. 
Now, this promise in the midst of struggle is a reminder that most pain does not last forever. It's a promise that gives us a broader view of things, allows us to look back on the troubles in our lives and see them as times in which we really did grow in endurance and character and hope. But my experience as a pastor and my knowledge of the crucial role hope plays in our lives make me struggle with this promise that Paul makes. It is absolutely true that suffering can lead to endurance, and endurance can lead to character, and character can lead to hope, and hope absolutely never disappoints us. I'm just not sure that suffering always gets us to hope. I have seen enough people whose suffering was so brutal, it led only to despair and hopelessness. I want to tell you about Chester. When I preached Chester's funeral service, there were more people in attendance at that funeral than have attended any other funeral service I have ever preached, which probably makes you think that Chester was a saint. And indeed he was. He was a saint in his church. He was a saint in his professional life. And he was a saint for his wider community. Now, Chester taught senior high Sunday school. How many of you have volunteered for that particular job? A few, a few. It is a calling. Chester taught senior high Sunday school when he was well into his 60s, and he had a room full of young people every Sunday. That's the kind of guy he was. He was an ethical businessman who was generous with both his wealth and his time. He volunteered all over the community, and he held every position of leadership the church had to offer at one time or another. A few months before Chester died, he had surgery to remove a cancerous brain tumor. The news that came from the operating room was good. His doctors used words like, we got it all. And he appeared to heal rather quickly and began returning to his normal activities with a smile on his face. Then one morning, I got a call from his wife, Becky, who was in a panic, and she said, Karen, come quick. And I knew from the tone of her voice that Becky had found Chester dead when she returned from a trip to the grocery store. I did not expect to find what I found when I got to their home. 
Chester died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. Becky told me later that he had never really fully recovered from his surgery, that he had pain in his arm and in his hand that was so excruciating he could not remove his wallet from his pocket. The doctors tried to do whatever they could to ease his pain, but nothing worked. And on the morning he died, the pain had simply gotten to be too much for him. Now, friends, I long ago gave up judgment on people whose suffering is so brutal they take their own lives. Because I understand that there are things which are worse than death and unbearable, unending pain and suffering are chief among them. And if I can understand there are things worse than death, I fully trust the God we have met in Jesus Christ to understand there are things worse than death and to wrap loving arms of grace around those whose pain has been so unbearable they have taken their own lives. I share this story with you as an example of a man of deep faith and strong character whose suffering was so unbearable he lost all hope. And perhaps if Chester was the only person whose suffering had driven them to hopelessness, I might feel differently, but Chester is not the only one. And that is why I struggle with Paul's words here. And I find myself asking, is there something more to this passage than a promise that suffering always leads to hope? Am I missing something here? And I think the answer to my questions is yes. Yes, there is something more to this passage than a promise that doesn't fit every situation. This passage is also a call to us as the body of Christ. But in order to hear that call, we have to step outside our culture just a bit. You see, you and I are part of Western culture, which places high value on the individual. And we bring our cultural outlook to our reading of Scripture. And so we tend to hear Scripture speaking to us as individuals about individual concerns, which Scripture almost never does, but that's how we hear it. And here in particular, Paul is not speaking to individuals. Paul is speaking to a community. Just listen to the language he uses. We are justified through faith. We have peace with God 
through Jesus Christ. We boast of our hope in the glory of God, and we boast in our suffering. Now, suffering is almost always experienced individually. To be sure, Chester suffered as an individual. People who experience abuse more often than not experience the pain of abuse as individuals. But Paul is writing here to a community with an understanding that God's people are all in this together. We belong to each other. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. When one of us knows joy, we all share in the joy. And friends, the only way some brutal suffering can be redeemed is through the care of the Christian community. Paul is speaking an important word to the church here about our call to suffer on behalf of one another. If a young child who has been abused since birth is ever to have a hopeful future, it will only be as people step in to make love real in that child's life. Too many abused children have been robbed of a sense that their lives matter robbed of a sense that their lives have worth and value because they have never been loved in the way that children need and deserve to be loved. Friends, loving an abused child in the way that child needs and deserves to be loved is hard work. It demands our time, our patience, our commitment, and it is a return that is a, a, a love that is oftentimes not returned. And yet, it is the love Christ calls us to give, and it is a way we suffer on behalf of one another. I told you earlier that I placed my trust in God to receive Chester as a beloved child whose earthly suffering had come to an end. I also trust that Chester never lost his hope in eternal life. And while I wasn't there at his last moment, I suspect his hope in eternal life might have played some role in what he did. What made his funeral difficult for me was not a sense that Chester didn't belong to God. I had a sense that his faith was strong. It was a faith that was nurtured by a community who prayed with him and for him every day of his life. What made that funeral difficult was seeing Becky and their three adult children cry. 
and hearing them ask over and over again, why didn't we see this coming? And what could we have done differently? Which are the very painful questions that always fill the hearts of loved ones who are left behind when people take their own lives. It is a guilt that is almost unbearable. So I am very thankful for a congregation who, in the midst of our own questions about why we didn't know Chester was in such pain, could still love Becky and those children help them heal, stand beside them, and remind them and us over and over again that Chester's death was his choice and not anyone else's fault. Friends, at our best, we do suffer with and for one another. It is the way we live out the love Jesus demonstrated on the cross when he offered his life on behalf of the world. It is through suffering love that we always find hope. I don't believe God intends for any of us to suffer personally. The scripture says that when God's will is done fully and finally on earth, all suffering will cease. Every tear will be wiped from our eyes, and all people will live together in love and peace and in joy. And until that time, we have been given the gift of hope and the call to share that hope with those whose suffering is unbearable, even though such loving that it takes to make hope known is difficult and causes us to struggle in ways that we find difficult. Hope may very well be the most precious of all the Spirit's gifts, because without hope, life is without meaning and value. And the wonder of it all is that the gift of hope has been entrusted to us, to the church, to the body of Christ, to you and to me together, to make a difference in the world. And so, Dear friends, what you do matters. What we do together matters. What the church does matters. Our love and our hope make a difference in the world. They make a life-giving difference. In the name of the God who gave us the gift of hope, Amen.